Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome. I am your host, Michael Moorcroft. The world is full of unseen forces. Let me be your guide as we lift the veil and peer into the face of the unknown. This is the major as well. You want a one guide to all things witchcraft and spiritual. Welcome back, majors. This week's show is dedicated to the Hindu goddess Kali, who is also worshipped in Tibet and Nepal as well. I mentioned her briefly in last week's show, and I thought I'd look into her more. But before we dive in, I just want to say that as of the 22nd of Jan, this podcast is now a year old. Thank you so much for listening and for your support. It really means a lot to me and that people are enjoying the show. To celebrate, I'm doing a giveaway, and you can win stuff from my shop. I'm giving away a rosemary cleansing bundle, and my new oil blend called 2021, designed to bring in new beginnings. To enter, follow me on Instagram, at the mage as well, like the post, it's the video with the birthday candle, and tag a mate in the comments section. That's it, dead easy, and you can have multiple comments, meaning multiple entries. If you share it on your stories, tag me, and that's an extra entry as well. The competition is open worldwide, and it closes on the 5th of Feb. May the luckiest witch win. Now, Kali is very misunderstood, and has transformed over time. Historically, she was a destructive eater of demons, but over time, she's come to symbolise a great mother figure. I'll go into detail, but I thought I should say there's aspects and traits of her that differ greatly, and especially throughout time. Also, she's honoured in Hinduism in both the Vedic strain as well as the Tantric. These are two very different takes on Hinduism. Generally speaking, the Vedic is more orthodox and about the collective, while the Tantric is about magical stories and folk or shamanic practices, and it focuses more on the individual and individual power. The West has very misinformed views on Tantra, it's not all about sex. So bearing this in mind, there's gonna be different takes on Kali from these two different paths within Hinduism. We also have fundamentalist Hindu views on Kali, as well as Western feminism wading in on the matter. Therefore, it was a little bit of a minefield to discover who Kali actually is and what she represents. 
Add into that mix that she has a reputation as one of the most difficult beings to understand. And Kali comes from a period of time in India where we don't actually know a lot about. Not a lot was written, and the area is a mishmash of different cultures and tribes. So in a nutshell, there's not one definitive way to define Kali, which is further compounded by the vastness that she represents. She has up to 21 forms depending on the region depicting her. She's often adorned with a necklace of severed heads, a skirt made of arms, brandishing a knife with dripping blood, holding the head of a demon and with her tongue stuck out. She's a deity that isn't low-key and invokes fear in some. British colonizers were very uncomfortable with her and she shocked their Victorian sensibilities. Residing over time and contradictions, destruction, creation, she stands for ugliness and beauty. She's India's great mother and also its fiercest fighter. Battling with demons and evil, she backs away from nothing. In understanding her, or attempting to, it's said that she will dissolve your fears. She's also the remover of ignorance. Folk tradition suggests that those with pointy tongues have been touched by Kali and are therefore under her protection. And she also likes devotees who have a childlike quality to them. Her name, Kali, derives from Sanskrit, meaning she who is black, she who is deaf, or force of time. She is often depicted with either midnight blue or black skin, referencing her primeval chaos, when there was no creation, no sun, moon, planets, or the earth, the infinite womb. She struggles to fit into the typical western narrative of good versus evil, as she transcends both. She also matches dark deeds and puts her shoulder to the wheel when it's needed, traits that aren't often highlighted in women within western mythology. She's also Mother Nature. Now, the West has a really fluffy take on Mother Nature. She's seen as this giving, nurturing, compassionate figure, but this isn't really reality. Nature's brutal and it's harsh and it's this form that Callie represents. She has these nurturing traits, sure, but she's also primordial. She's a devourer and she's untamed. It's believed that humans lived forever until Kali was created and she helps maintain world order. She represents Shakti, which is female power and divine energy, and will continue to exist long, long, long after the universe has ended. According to the author Devdut Patanaik, quote, nature is indifferent to the human gaze, and this is how Kali should be seen. She ultimately brings transformation, and this is what's also intimidating about her. She's brutally good at bringing in change, she does not care about feelings, she just gets the job done. Often seen with four arms, but in some depictions she actually has ten, each one bearing gifts from one of the gods or goddesses from the Hindu pantheon. Often, in her right hands, she's usually holding mudras or hand positions, Abhaya mudra signalling fearlessness, and Varadhar mudra signalling blessings. Now out of all the Hindu deities, it is Kali who is mentioned the most in tantric texts, in iconography, and also within rituals, and she's praised as the greatest of all deities. She's seen as the supreme mother of the universe, and in union with Lord Shiva, who I'll mention more later, she creates and destroys worlds. I found an interesting story which explains her current form and depictions. Now, according to Jagannath Basu's research, who is the host of Kalikatha, a radio show in Bengali. Up to the 16th century, Kali was actually formless. 
now a tantric named Krishnananda Agamava Gisha, wished to worship her in a form that he could visualize her. In a dream, he was told by Kali to ascribe her iconography to the first person he saw the next morning. So upon waking and going outside, the first person that he came across was a tribal woman with wild hair and very little clothing. He startled the woman and she stuck her tongue out in embarrassment. He took this as a sign and started creating the image using the soil he found in rural Bengal, thus giving Kali her dark complexion. Now, it's believed she originated from the high mountain region of Mount Kalanjara in north central India and she has tribal connections. Written records indicate that her worship is less than 2000 years old. However, her dark skin, in comparison to the other Hindu deities in the pantheon, suggests that she's much older and actually has roots in Dravidian society. These peoples typically have darker skin. Why is this relevant? Because it suggests that she's older than the rest of the Hindu pantheon, who came into existence once Indo-Europeans invaded Dravidian lands. Adding to this, a lot of Kali's mythology also revolves around this idea and this concept of protecting her people from foreign invasion. But this idea of her predating the Hindu pantheon and coming from Dravidian peoples, it's fiercely debated by historians and it relates to a period of time where there isn't a lot of research. But generally, it's agreed that she's older than her written record. Now, she's first mentioned in the Atharva Veda. It's a collection of hymns written around 1200 BCE, and she appears as a black or dark blue tongue, one of seven tongues actually, of Agni, the fire god. She appears personified as an actual individual around 600 CE in the Devi Mahatameya, another religious Hindu text that explains her birth. This is just one version that I'm about to tell you. There are many, many explanations about her birth. The gods were exhausted after battling with demons. While resting, the king of the demons, Mahisha Sura, assembled a new army and declared himself the Lord of Heaven, ruler of the universe. Vishnu, the protector of the universe, heard his blasphemous words. Angry, he shot a ray of light from his forehead. Now Shiva, who destroys the universe in order to recreate it, is also angered, and he added to Vishnu's light. Brahma, the creator god, Indra, the king of the gods, and other powerful gods and goddesses did the same. As the light converged, a woman's form began to take shape. The light from Shiva formed her face. Yama, the god of death, gave her hair. Vishnu, her arms. The moon god Chandra gave her breasts. Indra shaped her waist. Varuna, who resides over skies and seas, shaped her thighs. Earth gave her hips. And Brahma gave her feet. The fire god Agni finally completed her form by giving her three eyes. And so the great mother goddess was formed. The gods prayed to her and gifted her with weapons and jewels. Victory to the mother they cheered, as the demons began their march. Kali towered above the battlefield, and the demons marched straight towards her, and began their attack. Kali roared and laughed, and then her ten arms began their assault. With great ease, she destroyed her enemies, slicing them with her sword, ringing her bell to confuse them, and crushing them with her mace. The demon Raktabija approached her. Now, he had a special ability that allowed him to create demons from his spilt blood. 
Whenever Kali wounded him, a drop of his blood sprouted another demon. Kali stopped fighting and picked him up and bit him. She drained him of his blood and spilled not one single drop so a demon couldn't spawn, and then she swallowed him whole once she was finished with him. Other demons tried to confuse the goddess. They shapeshifted and changed their colour, but Kali bound them with rope, dragged them to her and cut them in half. Demons rode on elephants. She ate both the drivers and the elephants. Black clouds rolled and filled the skies. Lightning lit up the graveyard that lay before her. Bodies and limbs littered the ground as she carried on her slaughter. Mahisha Sura, the god of the demons and self-proclaimed lord of heavens, finally stood before her. He transformed into a giant buffalo. Proud of his strength, he roared and charged at Kali. Roar, roar, O oh fool, shouted the goddess. Roar for a moment. When you are slain by me, the gods will soon roar in this very place. The earth shook and rumbled as she charged too. And despite Maharisha Sura's strength, he could not best Kali. So he thought he'd play on her sense of justice, and stopped fighting and complained that she fought in an unfair way, that she had the power of so many fierce gods and goddesses. Maharisha Sura, on the other hand, had to fight by himself. Kali didn't back down and demanded him to defend himself. He showered her with arrows, swung clubs, maces, swords, but it was all in vain. Kali slew him with a spear as the horizon turned red. There was nothing left to kill. Kali was the only one standing on the battlefield, but she'd entered a bloodlust, a frenzy, and started smashing the dead demons all over again. The gods who were celebrating her victory suddenly grew fearful. Who and how would they stop her? Shiva stepped forward and had a plan. He lay down amongst the dead demons. Kali raged through the lifeless battlefield until she found herself stood on top of a beautiful male. In awe, she stared and realised she was touching Shiva with her feet, a highly disrespectful act. Kali stretched out her tongue in shame and embarrassment, and thus her reign of destruction came to an end. There's a lot happening beneath this myth, according to some strains of Hinduism. The demons are said to represent the human ego, the darkness that they represent that sees the light of Kali. They refuse to understand it. The ego attacks that which threatens its stability. Raktabija, the demon who sprouted duplicates of himself from his fallen blood, represents a spiritual pride and the ego that inflates its success. Maharisha Sura, when he changed his tactic and claimed she had an unfair advantage, shows how cunning the ego can be and how it can alter its affront when it's in danger. Her dismemberment of the demons is symbolic. Dismemberment can be seen as an undoing, a return to primordial chaos, which allows for a new self to be born. It's this dismemberment that delinks the personality from its stubborn egotistical foundations. A lot of Western literature associates Kali with death, but according to some, this isn't really accurate. It's more the death of ego that she resides over. She emphasises the body is a temporary shell, and this is highlighted by the fact that she also rules over cremation grounds, and she wears arms and heads around her neck, reminding devotees that ego arises out of the identification with the body. And this is a lesson that I feel very much needs reminding with our current beauty and image obsessed world. 
Kali is really a destroyer of falsehoods and illusions. Her tongue has caused much discomfort and confusion. There are many goddesses who share many similarities with her, yet they don't stick their tongues out. When Kali's tongue isn't present, she's often depicted with fangs that stick out the side of her mouth. In other versions of the slaying of Raktabija, the demon whose blood creates more demons, Kali outstretches her tongue on the battlefield and sweeps up all of his offshoot demons and swallows them whole. Her tongue here is a weapon, and it reminds us that nature consumes all. In her temples, her tongue is often smeared with the blood of sacrifices. Now, the belief that she sticks it out over the shame of stepping on Shiva has patriarchal undertones, and in the scriptures, there's not much evidence to prove that it's over shame, some have suggested. Scholars think it's more of a sign of the anti-feminine, and she's mocking and disturbing the status quo. Looking at her tantric background, some have suggested that her tongue represents her more carnal desires after battling demons, and it can therefore represent this duality of not only desire, but also disgust, if we think about how we spit food out when we don't like it. In 1971, the band The Rolling Stones commissioned an artist to make that logo. The famous tongue and lips were created. Now on the surface, it appears Mick Jagger's lips were the inspiration behind the logo, but upon further inspection, it actually comes from Jagger giving the artist a newspaper cutting that he'd seen, which depicted the goddess Kali. The next time you see the Rolling Stones tongue logo, you can think of Kali. The West is attracted to Kali as this violent demon killer, and she's become appropriated, and she's become a mascot for Western feminism. But Kali has been updated throughout time in India, and has stepped into this more motherly aspect that she represents in some parts of India. Her roughness and thirst for blood has been toned down, and her iconography has become less and less frightening. In some parts of the West, Kali has become a sex goddess, which has upset some Hindu practitioners. Adding to this, Kali herself has been labelled as a demon, which is highly disrespectful and derogatory towards practitioners of Hinduism. At one point, Kali had a cult of murderous worshippers, called the Thugi, meaning to deceive. They operated from the mid-1500s to the 1800s, but this is debated. How many they murdered is also up for debate. Some accounts estimate hundreds of thousands, while others say it tips over into the millions. They would kill travellers through tricking them, hence their name meaning to deceive. They would befriend them, and then they would kill them through strangulation. Now this detail it was important because they didn't want to draw blood, and essentially waste it, as every drop of the victim's blood belonged to Kali. The most notorious Thuggy was Thug Berum, who supposedly killed 900 people alone. He claimed by killing people and offering them to Kali, he was satiating Kali's thirst for destruction. Now interestingly, the Thugis believed they were the descendants of Kali's sweat when she battled the demon Raktabija. There's a popular myth, not technically about the Thugis, but a band of thieves who capture a victim and take him to a nearby temple to Kali in order to sacrifice him. The victim is a Brahmin monk. Brahmin is a high social class. Nakali is so outraged that the thieves are attempting to kill the monk that her statue comes to life. Kali attacks these thieves and decapitates them and therefore rescues the monk. 
Eventually the thuggy cult was stamped out by the British Empire and we have the word thug and its connotations due to this cult. Though there's some who doubt Kali's cult ever existed, saying it was imagined by British colonisers to gain better control over India. Regardless, Kali does still get sacrifices today, but it's more in the form of goats, which are said to represent devotees' sins or their obstacles to becoming self-realised. Priests whisper into the ear of the animal a mantra to free it from the cycle of death and rebirth before killing it. Now, we're not too sure how she's worshipped. Modern day priests remain quiet. Her main temple of Kaligat Kali in Calcutta, the city who's named after her and who she's the patron goddess of, the temple depicts only the top half of her body, with her black skin, large red eyes and huge gold tongue. The rest of her body lies below ground. Her worship here dates back to 1200 CE. At her main site of Kaligat, over 700 goats can be sacrificed on a festival day. These sacrifices don't take place in the main temple, but rather in view of it and in such a position that Kali can see. Blood is often poured over or painted on the statue's tongue. Kali is one of the few deities in India who demands blood offerings and it causes a lot of controversy. Now one of these festivals dedicated to Kali is called the Garundan Thukam festival. It's a very old one, which has been banned by the Indian government. People would be pierced by hooks and then lifted into the air on a frame. This frame was then carried or pushed, and the swinging people were paraded around the temple three times. People would dance around the frame and the blood, and it was said to appease Kali and to stop her continuing on her bloody rampage. Now this originates from a myth where Kali was thirsty from once again slaying a demon. Lord Vishnu sent her an eagle called Garuda, whose blood she drank, and it quenched her thirst. Also, I hope I'm getting these pronunciations right. I've done a bit of research into them and fingers crossed. Another festival to honor her is called Kali Puja. Diwali honoring the goddess Lakshmi, who resides over wealth, is the celebration of light and this falls on the same night as Kali Puja. It's also the night of a new moon, also known as a dark moon. Check out the dark moon and new moon episodes that I've done that cover the differences between these two. So. The new moon marks the beginning of these festivals, so therefore the timing of these festivals fluctuates each year, but generally they're sometime between October and November. Nakali is honoured in the Kali Puja festival with tantric rites and mantras that are performed throughout the night. Generally, it tends to be Bengal, Assam and surrounding areas that honour the Kali Puja festival, while the rest of the country partakes in Diwali. The night before these festivals, however, is called Bahut Chatadoshi, and this is the night where ghosts and spirits who accompany Kali run wild. It's custom for people to smear their doors with sandalwood paste, ash and cinder for protection. It's a time of the year that marks harvest, and Kali brings in rebirth and renewal. It's also a time of ancestral remembrance. It sounds similar to the Western Samhain or Halloween. In another version of Kali's birth and the slaying of Raktabija, she bursts forth from the forehead of the goddess Durga, the goddess of strength and protection, quote, bearing the strange Katavanga, a skulltop staff, decorated with a garland of skulls, clad in tiger skin, very appalling owing to her emaciated flesh, with gaping mouth, fearful with her tongue lolling out, 
having deep reddish eyes, filling the regions of the sky with her roars, falling upon impetuously and slaughtering the great Asuras, or demons, in that army, she devoured those hordes of foes, of the devas, or gods. Now, this passage to me, it hints to her shamanic roots. We've got this skulltop staff, the Katavanga, which is a very, very powerful shaman's tool, similar to a wand, kind of, and it shows up in Tibetan Tantra. She's also skinny, some shamanic cultures fast a lot, and therefore that affects their weight, and they do this in order to strengthen their connection to the other worlds. Her hair is wild and unbound, which is a characteristic of northern Indian shamans as well as witches, and parts of northern India are where her presence is strongest, it's where some of her most important shrines lie. We also have this idea of her dismembering demons. Now, dismemberment plays a role in some shamanistic societies. Initiates will have a vision where their head is decapitated. Again, a reference to Kali, she often decapitates a lot of her enemies. And then this head is then placed so the initiate can see what's about to happen. The spirits and demons will dismember the rest of their body and reassemble it. Now, how it's reassembled depends on the gifts and the abilities that the initiate will receive. Kali is also the patroness of Ojas, and they're really like a medicine, magician, shaman figure. There's also a suggestion that a band of female shamans existed at one point. Sometimes women in the state of Chhattisgarh grab weapons and march village to village, killing a goat in each one, and the head of the goat of the previous sacrifice is taken into the next village, symbolic of continuation. Throughout this march, their hair is also wild and unbound. I couldn't find much else about this ritual, but to me, it sounds a lot like a Kali tribute or some sort of homage to her. Now, Kali is also known as Kali Ma, Mother Kali, and she got a makeover around the 17th century, where she was made into a mother figure. Her wildness is seen as symbolic. The heads around her neck become symbols of sound syllables used to create the universe, as well as the characters of the Sanskrit language, and the arms around her waist represent the multifaceted powers of the divine. She gained her blue appearance around this time, it's also said, and it also plays into this role where she's considered the mother of language and mantras as well. Now, I'm going to share some ways to work with Kali, but please, please, please consider the cultural implications of doing so, and if it's appropriate for you to work with her. I'd say she's quite an intense energy to work with, and she isn't for the faint-hearted. Self-empowerment, breaking down the ego, death of old ways and habits that no longer serve, generally shadow work stuff, this is what I think you would approach her with. She also gives blessings of protection, call on her name Kalima for this protection. She brings good health, abundance, as well as fertility. Her mantra is Om Krim Kalikaye Namaha. Om Krim Kalikaye Namaha, meaning I bow to the goddess Kali. Traditionally, mantras are chanted 108 times. Now, pronunciation is key so it may be worth double-checking that I've actually pronounced that right and making sure that you've also got it right. You could also do a tarot reading around Kali. How can you embrace her energy? How can you become fearless? What about your ego needs to transform? This kind of idea. 
You could also place the death card on your altar. Definitely strong connections to this card and Kali. To bring life to ideas and projects that have turned stagnant, you could offer her honey or flowers and actually make an amulet of a flower dabbed with honey and wrapped in a black cloth. Chant, Kali turn, dance and change. Fate rearrange, end the devastation and strife. What was dead, return to life. Carry this amulet around with you, and once the stagnation lifts, bury it and show thanks to Callie. She likes hibiscus, that's the flower that you could use. It's her favourite flower, and it's said she blesses those who offer her these flowers. She obviously likes blood. Now, you could use red wine as a substitute, but personally, I would actually try the real thing. I'm vegan, and I carry that over into my practice, and I try not to harm animals. However, if entities demand blood or animal sacrifice, who am I to refuse their desires and their wants? And majors, that's it. That's a wrap for today's show. Thank you so much for listening. My intent with this podcast is to provide guidance and inspiration for those on their spiritual path and to talk about interesting parts of history relating to spirituality. I also want to connect you with information that is both useful and reliable. Would you like to support me and encourage me in creating more episodes? With your support, I can give the podcast more time and create more quality content. You can support me through Patreon and gain access to exclusive content and be part of the Majors Well community, as well as being in the communal sugar pot spell. The link is in the episode description. You could also support me by following my Instagram at the Majors Well, leaving a review on Apple Podcasts and telling your friends about the show. Please get in touch with anything you wish to share at themajorswell at gmail.com and you may just get featured. A big thank you to Coral St. Clair for the podcast artwork. The poem this week is called My Blissful Mother Exists Fully Through Every Creature and it's written by Ramprasad Sen, the 18th century Bengali poet saint. Meditate, O mind, on the mystery of Kali. Use any method of worship you please or be free from methods. Breathing day and night her living name, as the seed of power planted by the teacher in your heart. Consider the simple act of lying down to sleep, as devoted offering of body and mind to her. Allow your dreams to become radiant meditations on the Cosmic Mother. As you wander through the countryside or city, feel that you are moving through Kali, 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 all sounds you hear are her natural mantras, arising spontaneously as the whole universe worships her, prostrates to her, awakens to her. The goddess, who is unit of wisdom, constitutes the letters of every alphabet. Every word secretly bears the power of her name. The singer of this mystic hymn is overwhelmed. Wonderful, wonderful, my blissful mother exists fully through every creature. O wandering poet, whatever food or drink you receive, offer as oblation in the sacrificial fire of your body, and dissolve your mind into her all-encompassing reality. Peace out, witches.
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mm. 